Hello, you are with Love of Learning, a podcast focused on transform transforming the world through education and self-education. My name is Diane Stanchev and I'm your host. Today we have again Anna Pierce to talk about why children are more entrepreneurial than ever before and how to support that. Mm -hmm. How to teach them about money in an empowering and growing way to better thrive in the material world and how through education and self-education to heal our own money wounds. Thanks for being again with us. Oh, thank you so much. It's so lovely to be back. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoy when you talk about how to raise children to be money conscious and to be entrepreneurial. So I, yeah. I need to learn about that as well. So ah, uh, so yeah. you, your son's just slightly younger than my two. So yeah, it's not it's not long. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I hope so. So let's talk about fixing our own misconceptions about uh, money. In your experience, what are the most common core wounds about money that circle, circle among people and uh, where do they come from? Oh my gosh, what a question. Um, the, I think one of the, honestly, I think one of the biggest wounds is talking about money. We don't talk about money. So when, so it becomes this like secret and this kind of, there's a, the real shadow with it. And then when people do like myself who do talk openly about money people can get really triggered by that so yeah I think one of the biggest things that one of the biggest wounds is definitely the fact that it's this thing that we that we don't talk about and it, and it then becomes fearful it can then kind of really cultivate a very unhealthy relationship with money um and then you manifest that so people will either kind of um I, I find usually go more to the they don't want money because they think it's the there's loads of quotes root of all evil money doesn't grow on trees there's loads of like in, in the English language there's lots of metaphors that we have around money not being necessarily a good thing um, or being hard to to come by um, so people can often reject money because they're like I don't it's a secret thing that that's dirty and what have you and they don't want to be part of it or they can kind of tip to the other way where they get quite kind of greedy and possessive with it um, but there's a whole spectrum, whole spectrum of different wounds um, that I that certainly I come across. But I'm sharing a lot of stuff on TikTok at the moment, one of the social media platforms. And I talk about building a property portfolio without using your own money and things like that. And it really triggers people. And I have some really nasty comments. Most people have, you know, most people watch a few of my videos, get where I'm coming from, and they're very supportive. Even if they don't get it, even if it's not for them, they're normally very supportive. Um, but I do have, I had someone the other day that called me a parasite. Mm -hmm. And I was like, he's, it's not what I'm sharing. This is his money wounds that he's projecting. And I just, you know, send, send them love, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think... Uh, I think by talking about money openly and lovingly, I think it really helps. Definitely. Yeah, I, I've heard that if uh, if they, you get hated on the social media, then it makes that that make that means that you've grown your business and you're getting <laughs> more and more popular. So it's yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because I I had one one of the first videos I shared when kind of well, I mean for TikTok it's not that viral but it's I, the last time I checked I think it's about one hundred sixty thousand views, which is a lot. But for TikTok, you know, you could have millions of views. It's more it goes viral, but um, but I it really hit me hard when I got a lot of like I said not everyone but some people were really quite nasty about it. 
and I, I took it very personally but actually I what I did was I, I replied to the comments and I just said you know what is it that you're not vibing with and you know I, I genuinely kind of asked some questions and connect with them and interact with them and what I found was this, uh, that they obviously got triggered by what I was sharing put a comment in and then when I actually went back in a really nice way and just said thanks for connecting you know what is it that's bothering you about this um a lot of people like oh this doesn't work but I was talking about a particular property that I'd bought and I was giving the numbers so I was like well this is actually property I did what is it you're thinking doesn't work but as soon as I spoke to them that charge would go the trigger would go it's like I'd heard their fear and then people were really nice and open and friendly so after that if people put something nasty I mean, I don't really comment. I don't reply to all the comments now just because it's it's got a bit bigger. But um, but it was a good ex exercise because I realised that actually it's not me. It's their trigger, and and usually they don't really mean it. But it was a bit brutal the first time. <laughs> yeah, you, you get used to it. So. Yeah. The more the more and more popular you become. So how can you heal those misconceptions? And uh, I, I think what you said that we have lots of sayings in a negative way about money. Mm, so yeah. they might be planted in society so that... Yeah, it's in our language. I think it was a huge, huge shift for me because I did neuro-linguistic programming and like NLP where you learn about your language and how it can affect... how. You, you talk in language that reflects your beliefs and things like this. Um, so when I did that and I realized using certain language was then reinforcing certain patterns, which was then leading to a physical manifestation of it, I changed my language patterns um, to help to lead a healthier, happier, more abundant life. So um, certainly I think we're becoming more aware of our language and how it Im impacts, you know, what we actually create. Um, but again, I, I just think talk about money, talk about it in a, you know, with empowered people in a loving healing way. And again, things like TikTok and social media are really good because then there's people that really know what they're talking about what you know come from a very empowered loving space and they're sharing online and everyone has access to them so I just I think it's coming I think it's coming through naturally I think just the the age we live in and the fact that everything is so easily accessible people are so aware of things like rich dad poor dad and money manifestation and you have Tony Robbins I think people are naturally becoming more aware and more awake. So, um, but I think it's going to take time for the money thing to really come through. Um, but I think we're going in the right direction without a doubt. And I think also truth is, sorry, there's also truth is a big thing because we're now, because there's so much information openly available, like things aren't as hidden as they used to be. So when it comes to money and debt and the banking systems and all that, how the money culture is and, you know, how the world's richest, you know, kind of tend to control money, it's all coming out. It's all, the truth is kind of coming out and people are becoming more aware of it. So as soon as we see it and we understand it, it takes the power out of it. So I, I think we're just naturally, you know, naturally going to a much better place with money. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, we need, I think we need to become more conscious about what you're saying, what we, what, what mm. we say and where we want to be in order to project ourselves in the future. But yeah. Mm, yeah, most of the people are okay with their situation, so they don't want to push themselves further. Yeah. Okay with what's happening. So, 
yeah comfort zone do you have yeah sorry i was just gonna say people stay in their comfort zone and yeah. it's when things like the pandemic happen that forces people out of their comfort zone that they have to actually deal with how they feel particularly about money it's not but it's not just money it's 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 all things money related it's you know even just cash flow debt bills everything money related mm-hmm. business property the whole thing yeah yeah I, i'm so happy by the way that this pandemic happened yeah, yeah. yeah me the- too me too i i know where you're coming from um it it, it feels because i remember before it happened i was so frustrated that people were kind of in a bubble and not dealing with actual proper things or proper issues and the pandemic seems to shaken everyone and got the, and woken them up you know got them out of their you know daily uh dream-like life so i i totally agree i think it, that i think there's been some big blessings with the pandemic yeah let's see how it goes do you have some particular exercises for parents and children to expand uh, their abundance perception for example visualization or uh, use of some particular wordings or removal of negative wording about money i don't know yeah well so we have so my two are six and eight my two children obviously are six and eight and um when my daughter was six, she turned around to me and said that she wanted to buy a property because I've got a property business. So she's been looking at properties ever since she was born. And she said, I want, like, mommy, I want to buy a property and I want to have a shop downstairs where I sell my dresses because she makes dresses or she's not so much anymore, but she used to cut dresses up and or cut clothes up and make these dresses. So she wants to sell these dresses in the shop and she wants to live above it in a flat above. And she was six when she said this and she just came out with it. There was no like thought process. She just was like, she had this business plan. And I was like, that's a good, that's a really good business plan. And it really, really, really surprised me because, and it was the first time I really realized that kids are developing a relationship with money from the get-go. Like they're picking up our language. They're watching stuff on TV. There's so much unhealthy patterns that you see in cartoons you know, watching us pay for things in the shops, they're developing a relationship. And I realized that at six, Louise and my daughter was developing a relationship with money. And so I then was like, well, either I can just let her organically, you know, develop this relationship and pick up bad habits from me as well as good habits. Um, or I could use it, you know, as um, I could give her some guidance. So we decided to do that. So one of the first things I did um, was I decided to have a money day with both the kids. So Thomas was four, Louise was six. Thomas wasn't so interested in it at this point, but Louisa was. And we got out um, all of the money we could find in the house. And, and we got the kids, you know, I gave the kids full permission. They were going into like drawers and wallets. We got all the coins and monies we, we could in the house and we put them all on the kitchen table. And we just started talking about it. And we, we had some foreign currency, we had some notes. Um, and we just had a we just had a conversation. This is the thing. We just talked about it. We just talked about the different kinds of coins and everything. And then we decided and we talked, I think, about um, but we we had some conversation about banks at that point. And we then decided to go to the post, I think it's the post office that has the coin 
that you put all the coins in the machine and it, it calculates how much you have. So we went and basically did that, um, went to the currency conversion, converted the foreign currency to pounds. And we then ended up with an, an amount of money. I can't even remember what it was, but we then went, uh, we said, we then set that as our budget. So I said, we've got X amount of money, whatever it was. And we went across and it was lunchtime. So we went and we bought food and we talked about how much the food was. So it was the it was a very organic process but it started with let's get money out and talk about it and then it just unfolded so i i think it's a really nice way of parents to start the conversations because as you start teaching your kids all your own beliefs and patterns come to the surface and then I'm catching myself saying stuff to Louisa that I'm thinking well that's not very like healthy so it's a two-way process as well as kind of helping the kids to get some understanding about money and to feel comfortable talking about money it's also helping me to reflect on certain patterns that really are not helping me anymore um so that's a really good thing I I found that really incredible um but now it's developed. So there's loads of different things we do, but the things that we mainly do now is um, we, um, so we, and I'm trying to think how it's all started, but basically what we have is we have on our, we've got some drawers, we all have a tin <laughs> and we basically do bits and pieces when the kids are feeling inspired. Like we don't get them to do anything, you know, we don't force them to do anything. It's all when they're feeling inspired, but if they want to do some chores or, you know, and again, that word isn't particularly good, but whenever they want to like clean the car or, you know, Louise actually really loves doing ironing, which is a surprise. Um, but if they do anything like that, then they get some, like get a pound coin and they put it in their jar. And when they have a, a big enough jar, they get to go and choose a toy or they get, they go online now because of lockdown, they choose a toy. Um, and it just happens really organically. We don't force it. It's a bit like pocket money, but they kind of, they choose where as and when they want to do it. So Thomas, who's now six, um, recently found, he plays this computer game called Cuphead. And they've got these two little characters, like basically with a cup and a mug. And he found these two toys online and it was about seven pounds, I think it was. So he was feeding the rabbits, he cleaned the car and he did, you know, everything that he could. And he got his seven pounds and he ordered the toys. He had to wait a week for them to arrive. But he was so happy and he's been stuck to them for the last like two weeks uh, to these toys because he it's, it's something that he's done. It's probably something we would have bought him it anyway, but um, but he wanted to do it. So we supported him. So I think it's, I think every family will do it differently because we talk, we have lot, we have a few different businesses. So we always talk about money. The kids are used to that. But I think for families who are um, like go to a job and they just don't have to talk about money the way that we do, then just bring it in very gently and organically. And if the kids aren't interested, don't, I wouldn't do it. If Louise and Thomas weren't showing any interest, I probably wouldn't bring it in, but it's just because they were both talking about it that it naturally unfolded in our home. And I think kids of business owners, if the parents are business owners, it's probably more likely to naturally come in. So yeah. I like those <laughs> ideas. Yeah, uh, I've got loads, but they're the two main ones that we do. <laughs> yeah, I'll start in doing fact, it was, In fact, the other, the other thing we've got going on at the moment is they've got a friend who has a hoverboard 
he it was his birthday and he got a little hoverboard and the kids love it but there's one hoverboard between the three of them when they go and play so they have taken turns and they they just are like oh they want a hoverboard but they're quite expensive and we found that you can get a secondhand one for 50 pounds so we said that as we all wanted one we said that we'd do a family um so we bought in a new jar that's a, a family jar for, and it's a hoverboard fund so we all put in a little bit of money when we can and it's it's I don't know what we're up to now it's only like 12 pounds or something but the fund is building and this is a it's also a family thing that we do as well um because it's nice for them to be like I want this and it's a bit more expensive and then we all kind of work together to do it I think it's so. a much better approach what you're doing than just buy it yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and because lots of usually the children I want this toy I want this toy every time every yeah time. And how do you deal with this without saying no or without well we still buy stuff for them like we went um we went to in fact we went to Panland to get some new coloring pens uh, a couple of days ago and they said oh can we have can we have a toy and I said the thing is it's Poundland and in our experience they're normally not very good quality and they kind of fall apart so I said oh you know I, I'm not sure we should And they're like, you know, please, please. And we'd had such an incredible day. And I thought it's fine. You know, they don't very often have that. So I said, yeah, that's fine. And they said, do we have to use our money or are you going to pay? <laughs> and I said, no, it's fine. I said, I'm getting the pens anywhere. I said, it's fine if you just choose a toy each. And in fact, they bought little bunny, like um, fancy dress bunny ears because uh, it's Easter coming up. Um, and they, again, they've just been wearing them constantly for the last two days. Um, so it was, yeah, so we still do. We still do have that where we buy stuff. I don't want them to feel that they have to do everything. So we do, do still buy stuff for them. Um, but it just made me laugh when they said, it, do we have to use our money? <laughs> yeah, very nice. I think we'll start doing this jar thing, family jar. Yeah. It's, it's good because you do, you do something together and then they see how the money gets more and more and gets excited and then yeah i remember it is yeah yeah i remember once we we were giving him a little bit of money to save and he saved him and then we went to watch a movie and he said oh i want to buy my own popcorn and he nice. brought his money with us oh said, okay i want to pay i want to pay and he was so proud of paying <laughs> That's it. It's uh, it's they, you know, it's like, and the way I kind of look at it is like when I'm cooking and the kids come in and say, oh, can I get involved? I'm like, yeah, fine. And I'll give them something to do. And they feel like they're part of what we're doing. If it's practicing for when they're grownups, but I don't force them to do it. And I don't tell them they can't do it. It's like, if they want to do it, I let them do it. And it's the same thing with, with paying and earning their own money by allowing them to do this in a very you know kind gentle way it's really it's exactly the same as everything else that kids do you know as, as part of learning for when they're an adult in, so, yeah my, it's lovely in my previous podcast i was talking with jessica weller and she she's doing um like helping people around them with their children um making right. fundraising campaign campaigns or just going and helping adult people and she said that's that's the best thing that can develop a compassion mm. to children and also it's a family thing as well yeah nice yeah lovely <laughs> so what, what do you think about children making fundraising com- campaigns to help others and use their creativity to do their own fundraisers that's lovely i think it's lovely i think um helping kids to realize there's people you know less fortunate than us um and to spend their time and energy helping others i think is fantastic I think it's I think it's great. 
Yeah. Again, the compassion is all about the compassion. You know, we, we it, the more compassion we can have for other people, the better. Mm. And it's it's also they'll have better better life as well because mm. everybody wants to be around compassionate people. They'll have more friends. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a Very bit like that, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what do you think? Uh, uh, for example, when I go with my son out and we see a street artist, we stay, enjoy his music, and then ask, ask, I usually ask my son to go and give him some money as well. And he, he really loves doing it. And we've been doing that since he was able to walk. Uh, do, you, do you teach any other methods for generosity and creating abundance like that? Um, we, we do, we do the same thing when we see like buskers and stuff. So I think it's, again, I think it's really nice for the kids to do that. Um, but yeah, in terms of Jenna, I mean, we do a lot of stuff with nature. Um, and I don't know, I don't, nothing that I can, nothing consciously, I guess. Um, I think that, um, it's funny the thing that I think of is when we because we go for lots of walks we live in a lovely little village and we very often go to the park there so we meet a lot of people out and about generally particularly during lockdown where you know that's the only exercise people could do but my kids love dogs and whenever we see any dog they always go over and they say can we say hello to your dog please and if the people say yes, then brilliant. They, they give them a fuss. And if not, we say that's absolutely fine. You know, the dogs, it's normally the dog's nervous or, you know, what have you. So we're like, that's absolutely fine. We walk off. But we get nine times out of 10, people are like, wow, your kids are, you know, really polite. And they, they seem quite surprised by that. And I think that even something like that, it's that, it's that, um, it's that kind of connection with people like may I have permission to interact with you almost um, and I mean I know that, that it's mainly about the dog but it's setting up certain patterns for treating people with respect being polite being you know kind and obviously then if they say hello to the dog and give them a fuss it's then like you know have you said thank you um, so I think it's that that weirdly that's the thing that comes up that I think of in terms of being kind to people and respectful and compassionate um, but yeah, I think it, yeah, not not anything else I can consciously think of. So I, I think uh, you you covered this this a little bit. But how again? How do you teach uh, entrepreneurship to your children, and how we as parents should start, and what games and exercises to do? Um, well, my kids are little, so and and like I said, it, it has naturally blossoms because of the the households we live in because we've like I said we've got a few different businesses myself my husband have ones jointly and then separately um but I think that if you know I think just having conversations with kids um but certainly as they get older um particularly teenagers um I think a lot of teenagers like um, if they're on YouTube and they're watching, you know, there's some incredible YouTubers out there. There's a lot of teenagers that want to do YouTube channel. In fact, I say teenagers, my daughter's just started one, but um, you know, uh, depending on the age, but you know, want to do YouTube channels um, and generally quite entrepreneurial. My, my niece, I think when she was about 11 started doing, in fact, she started doing, um, little graphics for YouTube channels like she's quite techie and she could do they with the YouTube channels when they've got the title thing of the name of the the channel 
they, there's sometimes some really nice graphics and she worked out how to do that. So she was selling graphics to her friends for a pound. So it's these kind of little things that I noticed with kind of probably from 11 to 14 um, that I'm noticing kids are starting to kind of be a little bit entrepreneurial, trying a few different things. And I think as a parent to support that and, and um, let them, let the child lead the way. Like it's, uh, and I, and I'm guilty of this. It's very easy for me to go like, you know, push Louisa out the way. Cause I know better, you know, it's all about helping them to do it at their pace and in the way that they want to do and to make, you know, kind of mistakes and things. So I think particularly with kids kind of, you know, early teens, um to support them and help them and if they're showing signs of being entrepreneurial just kind of give them some space give them a little bit of support and help and I think that's I think that's probably all that's really needed but if you've got a really entrepreneurial kid um then yeah have have the conversations with them and do the you know do let let them build businesses like my daughter's trying all these different things and we're we're supporting her with everything that she's doing because we've had we've had to take clothes rails over to the park opposite because she wants to sell her dresses but not the dresses she makes she's decided she just wants to sell her dresses so we've had to cart like her clothes over to the park and set up a shop for her to try and sell these dresses but this was before lockdown where all the kids were at school and we knew that and we said to her but all the other kids was when we're homeschooling. We're like, all the other kids are at school. So there's not really going to be anyone at the park. But she was like, I want to do it this way. And we're like, okay, we'll do it that way. So, you know, it's it's just supporting them uh, in what they're wanting to naturally do. So that's super nice. So you're, you're saying, you're saying uh, in, in your school that entrepreneurship is going to be very much involved. Uh, yeah. Why do, you, why do you think it's nobody talks about this in the current school system and kindergarten and <laughs> I don't really know. I think it's a very old system the the school system in the UK is a very you know dated system and uh, not much has really changed in the last 100 years um so you know, I mean, I would rather see, uh, I mean, not rather, but I think that the balance of being outside and being in community and, you know, all the all the stuff that they're doing with forest school, I think is is coming through much faster than the money and entrepreneurial stuff. Um, but I think it'll catch up. Um, but I think they don't know how to teach kids. There are there are certain I see certain things um, in schools. In fact, I when I had I had I had a I had a yurt at my school and I actually sold it to, as it turned out, a headmaster for a school down the road. And he very proudly said that they're teaching money to kids at his school. I was like, brilliant, amazing. What is it you're doing? And he said, well, a mortgage broker comes in and talks about mortgages. And I was like, okay, <laughs> a bit different from what I'm hoping. But I, uh, but I was like, we're moving in the right direction. So it's a good thing that it's even on their radar. Um, and, you know, and I do know they kind of do business studies and things like that. But I just think it's a very, very old antiquated schooling system. And I think even the ones, even the alternative schools that are coming up, the nature based, the farm schools, the forest schools, um, a lot of the kind of alternative schools are very much about the nature, you know, and coming back to nature, which is so, so important. But they don't, again, they don't talk about money because it's this, I don't know, this just big unspoken about subjects. Um, so yeah, so it just, it just isn't 
part of the schooling system. But when I originally started talking about the school that I went on to set up, in the very first um, talk that I did, because I because I started the school with just me and my two at the village hall three days a week, and we ran it for half a term. So we got into a really good groove. And then I started talking about it, and I started talking about what I wanted to be doing. And I said that the, as well as the academics. I wanted, but I wanted to teach the academics in a more empowered way. And I said, it's very much about coming back to nature, coming back to, you know, the, the kids being as, like the, the kids learning about themselves as much as all the, about, you know, their external worlds and all the academics, but also about money and property and business. And I wasn't sure how that would be taken. And I had a massive response, like a huge, huge, huge response. And some people didn't like the fact that I was talking about kids learning about money and other people loved it. And most people loved it, but I'm not with like a six, you're with kind of four, five, six, seven, it would never be about money as such It's more the energy of money. So it would be very lightly done. And it's only as they get older, kind of, like I said, like 11, 12, 13, 14, that then it's about, well, what are you, what are your passions? Cause it's not, again, it's not necessarily about money per se. It's like, what are your passions? How, what is your style? Are you kind of quite an analytic numbersy person? Are you very creative? Like, what are you naturally drawn to and help the kids to kind of find their passion and their purpose and to be okay with, well, let's do that now. And you don't have to commit to it, you can change like, but giving them a little bit of a steer, getting them into the groove of being like an adult and being able to earn their own money. But it comes from what do you want to do first and foremost? And then it's like, well, how can we make that into something that you can do? Even if it's, I want to build a property portfolio to free up my time. And then I want to go and, I don't know, volunteer for some charity, or I want to become an artist and just not have to worry about money. Like it's not just about making money. It's about how can you create the life that you want to lead you know and to feel empowered about with money and to realize that you have a lot of options with money it's not get a job or start a business it's like there's so many different ways that you can create income streams um so i think it's very important and i think people are starting to realize that it's important um but i ran um i had or i still have um a course of teenagers called making make money from sorry I'm not in the right space to talk about it uh, make money from nothing doing something you love and we I teach them six different techniques for building income streams we talk about your relationship with money and how to cultivate a loving and healthy relationship with money as well as managing money and you know ev everything basically we touch on everything and what was really interesting was that I ran it for teenagers and then the parents were talking to the kids and realizing how little they knew about money so the parents start contacting me saying can you please run this for adults and then actually the adult version has been far more has had far more people go through it than actually the teenagers so I think adults are realizing wow like I don't you know this is stuff I need to know um so yeah I think it's I think it will come through again I think it'll come through the schooling system but it'll take a long time for mainstream um, whereas alternative schools like mine can can get up and running quickly. But I don't know of many alternative schools that do this. I've heard of a couple um, where it's more the, what do they call it? Like a, um, uh, like where, they, where, the, where the students have more say in how the school is run. Oh, what's that? I can't think of the word. But I don't know of anything that's entrepreneurial based, which just blows my mind because it's so obvious as to something we should be doing.
Okay, let's say, let's say you're, you're going to build a curriculum about um, uh, entrepreneurship and money. And uh, let's divide it into three groups, seven and 10 years old, then 10, 14, and 14, 18. So in those three stages, what are you going, what are you going to cover in your teaching? So I'm, if I may, I'll change the age range okay. <laughs> because basically up to seven, like is, I'm, I, I'm sure you probably know, like up to seven, seven to 14, 14 to 21 are three very key age brackets. And up to seven kids are very much within, like they're, they're not really that aware of kind of, you know, the external world so much it's all about building their core beliefs and core patterns so for me that time like up to seven is the time to help honestly I honestly believe that kids up to the age of seven just need to be loved and held and you know just in a in a space that is just loving and warm and safe and nurturing um so I don't think so much with the the money stuff, but then from seven to fourteen, I think of it as a as a tree. So I think of kind of uh, up to seven as being the seed, like under the soil, kind of getting ready to to grow, and then from seven to fourteen, it's when it's pushing itself into the world. So their kids are becoming slightly more aware of the external environment. Um, and then 14 to 21 is really where they're stretching out into the world and finding their place. So for me, between seven and 14, it is again, very much about the, the finding the passion. It's what is, it's learning about themselves. This is the first time they're really, really learning about themselves and it's helping them to understand their own patterns, beliefs, and to get into kind of, you know, a, a good, healthy internal dialogue and a good space um, emotionally and mentally. Um, so for me, that those the kind of seven to fourteen age is more the um, learning to find your passions and learning a little bit about yourself. And then for uh, fourteen to twenty one, that's then when it's like, right, what do you want to do beyond school, and how can we take everything we've learned about yourself and your passions and make that into potentially a business, like you know, and then giving them some guidance and advice. But for me, school is about practicing for life beyond school like let's use this as a place to make loads of mistakes let's use this as a place to try lots of different things to learn everything you know all the different ways you can do things and then by this ideally for my school anyway by the time they leave school they're already doing what they want to do it's like the school is when you have the stabilizers on the bicycle and we just take the stabilizers off and they go off you know having been practicing the bike you know the bike riding just with the stabilizers on that's when they're kind of free to go off on their own I think at the moment what schools are doing is preparing the kids for exams and then the kids like fall off a cliff mm -hmm. whereas with this it's like use this time to create really positive patterns in their daily life give them life skills practice so by the time they go they're you know already going um, and also in terms of exams um, if a kid you know if the, if you have like I don't know a 14 year old that is really clear on what they want to do beyond school then it can be you're doing exams to get you to where you want to be going rather than you're just doing exams because you went to do exams like anyone would be far more focused far more motivated on sitting exams and passing if they knew what it was going to lead to but a lot of kids are like I'm working to pass an exam rather than I need this exam to get me to you know wherever they want to go beyond that does that make sense? I don't know if I explained that very well. Shouldn't, shouldn't the exams be more like uh, willing to learn something you'll be needing and not just exams for... Money? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I I have if my two didn't want to sit any exams, I, I would be perfectly fine with that. Um, I went to university and I thought it was an incredible experience. So for me, I'm going to be saying to them, if you don't need exams for what you want to do beyond school, um, do it for, you know, if you want to do if you want to go to uni, then, you know, you'll need exams for uni. But I, I, I have no issue at all if my kids don't want to do exams. Um, because I don't think they're ever going to need them. Um, and I think that's the case with a lot of kids nowadays. You know, if kids are going to jobs, yeah, they'll need them. But I think a lot of, particularly the kind of school that I'm going to be doing, it's a very entrepreneurial school. So most of the kids aren't going to be that bothered about it. But we're obviously going to be, it's that kind of thing. It's it's a socially accepted thing to have. Um but also, even if a kid is like, you know, I want to be a business owner and I want to have property and I want to do this, I don't need exams. Um, it, we, you know, one of the conversations I'm going to have with them is you can do the exams like we're not going to necessarily teach them um the thing with exams is they're testing how good you are at passing exams, in my opinion. So for me, it's not necessarily you need to learn this information. It's like we'll teach you how to pass these exams so that you can say you've got them. That's kind of how I look at it. So it'll be teaching them. I mean, obviously, they'll need to know the information, but it'll be teaching them the exam techniques. Like if you get a tutor, if you if you have a child that you get a tutor to help with sitting like GCSEs, the tutor won't be teaching them the subject. They'll be teaching them what they need to do to pass the exams. So that's basically what, what I would want my approach to be, mm -hmm. um, you know. It's a, I feel funny saying that because it feels like quite a controversial thing to say, but I genuinely think that's the case. And I certainly, with my two, I don't think, unless if they want to be a doctor or anything like that, then that's a whole different thing. They can motivate themselves to get the exams, but if they don't need exams, then they can make the decision whether they want to just do enough to pass the exams or whether they just not, just don't want to bother. Okay, so basically you're saying that from zero to seven, uh, the children should be in a loving environment and uh, educate their feelings in a good way so that uh, later on they'll be more creative from seven to 14, then they'll, they'll be more creative because, because they have a good basis mm. from zero to seven they've seen around them and seven to 14 to nurture them to find what they really love to do. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah. then from 14, you just let them go and try to yeah. whatever you can. start finding their groove, find their place in the world. Because yeah. that's the thing for the zero to seven, it, you're, you're, you know, you're growing the roots, you're laying down the foundations. Um, and it's like up to seven is so important because by the kids feeling loved and held and, you know, and just being in a community and be just being just being in nature being with other people you know still learning they're learning organically but um but by having those really firm loving foundations it will help them later and I think we, I think we miss that so much in this country like kids go to school at such a young age and actually just being you know in in a loving community is just I just think it's worth its weight in gold so uh, what, yeah. what, what Rudolf Steiner and other other teachers are saying is that uh, exactly between zero and seven, uh, the etheric body develops uh, yeah. like the same way when uh, between uh, zero and nine months, the physical body develops and it's not ready to go out. So between zero and mm. seven, we need to react to the, uh, we need to affect the children with positive emotions, love and support so that yeah. their 
there he says there are some invisible organs, let's say, that needs to get well developed and up to seven. And then from seven to 14, it's easier. And we have a saying in Bulgarian that uh, the first seven years are the most important. So yeah. it makes sense as well. And up to seven, they shouldn't be, uh, but they shouldn't be learning things like uh, algebra or mm. physics or materialistic stuff, th things like that. But they're more yeah. like to be nurtured with um, creativity, with uh, imagination, with imagination games. But what we are doing, it's like they, they start going to nursery and from three, four years old, they start to read. And everybody is super yeah. proud because their child can read at four. But actually, nobody knows that this is not helping them, but more like it slows them down. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a belief that when children's teeth start coming out, that's because they're, they're shedding their milk teeth, their baby teeth. Yeah. So when they start, their adult teeth start coming in, that's the time exactly. when they are ready for slightly more structured learning. And I completely agree. And, and we we purposely, with Atta, we, we did wait. In fact, Louise, we waited slightly. I think she was slightly over. She she We could have done it a little bit earlier with her, but Thomas, I think we were pretty much dead on with their learning. But yeah, but no, I completely agree with all of that. Yeah, definitely. So, so in your homeschooling, how much time you spent uh, schooling your children? Uh, well, at the moment, because we've they've had all kinds of different schooling experiences with us. At the moment, they go to a farm school two days a week, uh, which is very nature-based, very um, kind of holistic. Um, and then they're with us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And my husband and I take it in turns. So I'll kind of do the morning with the kids and he'll be at work and then we'll switch for the afternoon. So we don't, we do very little structured learning. Um, we do a lot of, um, a lot of very organic stuff, but this, I mean, this week's been an interesting example um, because on Monday, because for me, I want them to learn kind of life skills and practicalities and to understand the world and things. So the, in fact, on Monday, I created this game for some reason we called it snackarama i don't quite know why but basically i cut i had because food's a big thing for me food is medicine is a big thing it's one of my businesses and um healing our body through using food is a really big um passion of mine and it's it's a really important part of our family but anyway i cut so i cut up five snacks that i knew they liked like carrot apple cranberries I had biscuits in there as well and I had hidden them and I got them to uh, close their eyes and open their mouth I knew they liked all the snacks and I would put them in and we were talking about the texture the flavor and whether they could guess what it was and if they could guess they they had pens and paper and they were drawing what the what it was and it was really fascinating because some of the things that they like, they didn't like when they didn't know what it was. Um, and I learned some things about, you know, like Thomas, I thought loved Apple and he didn't like it. So it was an interesting exper exper experiment all around. But really for me, it was that it was the experiential learning. It was, you know, working with different like, like, you know, with using their taste. It was doing just different things. It's like. I want as much variety and depth in the stuff we're doing. So they do have, they have a tutor now. So on Wednesday mornings, they see a lady called Joe and they have more structured learning. So I'm like, I don't need to do that because they're doing that at school. They're doing that with Joe. So the stuff that we're doing is far more the life skills. Um, so we spend 
yeah three days I suppose homeschooling but we me and my husband take it in turns and some days like this afternoon I've done nothing with them <laughs> we've just been in complete free flow and that's fine and we we I honor that if that's what we want to do um but like my husband took Matt to the park this morning so yeah so we don't really do any structured learning we do fun things like snackerama and things like that but overall we are just together living life together and they're learning stuff together with us i like this so, game you said that i like this game you said <laughs> snackerama i don't know why i called it that they sat down i said i've got a new game they said what's it called and i was like uh snackerama <laughs> so i don't know where that came from but it, they they seem to like it sounds, so, yeah. sounds good sounds good Okay, so we're coming to an end. Uh, let's say if you if you want to share uh, four or five sentences for <clears throat> giving advices to parents how to raise their children to be more entrepreneurship, what would you say to us? Well, I would say if your child is naturally entrepreneurial, they're talking about starting businesses, they want to you know, uh, start a YouTube channel or if they're naturally doing it, then support what they're doing. And it, it is it is a, a real balancing act, giving them the, the space to do it themselves, but also being involved enough to help guide, you're guiding them. I always think of you're guiding them as they do it. But if they're not entrepreneurial, I wouldn't, I, I really wouldn't worry. Um, but I think maybe just the, the key thing is have conversations with them about money talk about money not least because it'll help you to bring up your own you know as you talk like listen to the language you're using and listen to the patterns and it will help you to see your own patterns and the more we can just communicate about money I think you know the better and the more you can kind of talk to kids in a very empowered way with money the better um in fact I'll circle back to with the first question you asked was about uh what money wounds do we have I think a lot of people live in lack um and not enough of money and I think that that is something that's so easily passed on to kids so that's probably the only thing I would say is be very mindful that even if you feel that there's not enough money don't you know talk as if there's enough and actually not only will you help your kids to have that pattern and belief but you will also manifest more money yourself just by helping you even if you don't believe it this is why we do affirmations because as you start saying it you then start believing it so even if you don't believe it now just talk like there's a, there's more than enough money and that that alone will be massively helpful for both you and your child thank you for all the nice advices you gave and um, i hope hopefully you you get you get your your entrepreneurship course are going and it will yeah. be I think soon. Yeah, you have lot, lots of nice exercises and approaches that should be put into one place and I'd like to read more about it. Lovely, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I don't actually, with all the stuff I do with my kids, it's all getting ready to come into my school. So I don't really talk about it much, but maybe I should do. I'll talk about it more. Certainly on um, TikTok, I think I'll start showing more. <laughs> yeah, little small advice. Uh, games to play with yeah yeah definitely thank you, thank you so much and uh, hope to talk with you again soon yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you so much it's been wonderful so thank you for having me thank you bye bye <laughs>